Today I feel honoured because I'm chronicling Bethany Bracegirdle, Perth writer who, in a way, sadly doesn't need imagination. She can just pick from a wild catalogue of thoughts, stories and observations that is her life. Most recently her writing is being explored in her blog Mere Inc, in which it blurb states, if the right words could find their way into the right minds, then maybe Mere Inc could change the world. Mere Inc is a wonderful collection of insightful, tragic and entertaining publications. I do highly recommend people do visit Mere Inc's blog and Facebook page. In fact, yeah, pause this chapter and just read a handful of her writing because especially for this white middle-class male, it's a gust of fresh air. Bethany, welcome. <laughs> That's a very flattering way of being introduced. Thank you. I want to start off with this um, first question because it, it's really interesting because you, you've completed uh, tertiary education before. Yes. Well, for example, in 2013, you want you, why in 2013 you decided to travel to Brisbane to study an intense course of journalism? Okay, so what it was, was I was part way through my journalism degree here in Perth at Murdoch, and they were like, it just felt like it was taking forever, and I wanted to be doing other things. I found out about it. It was called J School in Queensland. And I was like, that's what I want to do. So I went to my tutor, who was tutoring me at the time, and he'd, been, he'd like pulled me aside and been like, you're extremely talented. It was like a bit of a like, you know, Robin Williams moment. Yeah. It pulls you aside. And um, he was like, you know, you're, you've got what it takes. Don't stop. And he was like, I've had to fight for you through a few times in assignments because you definitely are not kind of, Sometimes I'm not, I cannot be objective enough mm. for the role of being a journalist. Um, and also, obviously, I infuse a lot of emotion. It's really, probably should be my first clue that journalism maybe wasn't exactly the path I wanted to go down. But mm. So he said to me, you know, you've got to take. So I said, went to him and I was like, do you think I should do this? Because I can be done, like, and go. And then he was like, he was like, yeah, do it. He was like, I'll write you a, um, what's it called? I'll write you like a, a letter of recommendation, letter of recommendation yeah. for it. And you can go. And he was the guy from... Oh, why can't I remember his name right now? The guy from 6PR. Oh. Who... No, he's older. He's famous for, like, punching a premiere on air. Um, oh, hang on. Was he just... Oh, because he... Roy, was, no. Not Ray Hadley. Bill. No, Bill. No, didn't he have Mills... Yeah. Um, the Breakfast Show. Yes. With um, Basil... No, now no. Basil Zemplis does it with uh, Mills... He's, can I? Yeah, let Google. me find it. I want yeah, yeah, to find because him. The reason... Because he's the reason I think I realised I was a good writer and like I had a talent. Because I remember they had this. I know. I know who you're talking about because um, he had this control, uh, controversial interview with Julia Gillard, mm. if that's right. Mm -hmm. But also there's these adverts on TV mm -hmm. where for Six PR their breakfast program with Mills and this other bloke, and this and the other bloke I think was eating Vegemite and Mills is quite. Refined, <laughs> and he was just eating, you know, a piece of toast, and he was like the rougher. Yeah, I just why can't I remember his name right now? I know, I just love it. I, should, I feel like I should have done some research before this if I knew that this oh. come up. But oh my goodness! But um, I remember they were pitching it as if it was the odd couple of breakfast radio. 
they even had that music. Da, 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 da. No, that's actually get smart. It's 6 PR, isn't it? Yeah, yeah 6 PR. It, I believe it's the breakfast show before, because now it is Basil Zemplis and... Basil Zemplis has done it now. That's yeah, cool. Mills. But he's a really interesting guy, Basil, because he does it in the morning and like, because I, I, I work in construction and you know, we have early shifts, I have to wake up at bloody, you know, 4.30 and, and I'm driving <laughs> at like 5 or 5.30 and I do hear the breakfast and I do switch between 6 PR and ABC. Yeah. And Basil Zemplis doing it till 5 from 5. Oh, so wow. he does it, yeah, no, five breakfast is five to nine. Yeah. Or something like that. And then he goes at night to do, you know, his, the Channel 7 sports oh. broadcast as well. Yeah. And he commentates on AFL. So he's a busy... And I swear he spends half his time in the Apple Store as well, which is where I work. Really? <laughs> he's in there all the time. Oh, wow. <laughs> I cannot find it. He's obviously not on there anymore. He's not on the radio anymore. He might do Sunday mornings, actually. Hang on, let me turn... Because I'm a bit of a sting. I don't have my um, mobile internet. Oh, yeah. Do you want Wi-Fi? Oh, no. Oh, no, I don't want to siphon <laughs> you. Let me just give everybody the Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> PR Radio host, uh, Julia Gillard. If I Google that, I'm about... I'm, I'm Googling 6PR Radio host, Julia Gillard. Howard Sattler. Does that ring <laughs> no, a bell? No, it's not Howard oh. Sattler. It's before him. This guy, like, literally, he had out his own talk show in, like, the 60s. Oh, wow. Like, he's old, oh. he was retired okay, by the time so, he was doing me. So what I've just said, <laughs> we have to say that Howard Sattler was not, <laughs> was not the person. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I know. I'm like, oh. Um, when you said Julie Gillard, I was a bit like, maybe not, because I'm pretty sure he's older than yeah. that. Now I'm looking at my emails for his email. Uh, Jason Adset? No. Oh, you're gonna know him. Like when Hang I said on. it to my dad, my dad knew him. So it's like dad age people. But I had friends who listened to who used to listen to Six PR who knew who he was that were at, that was our age. So oh, here we go. Um, it is it's Bob Mormill. Bob Mormill. Yes. Haven't heard of him? No. Okay, so he was on Six PR mm. for a long time, and he also had a TV show, like a nightly TV show in. Sydney, and he also used to work on 3AW, mm. um, so, but his career was, like, long before, like, he was really in his, and I think that's what was amazing about him, he was in his, like, giving back face, yeah. like, he was just, um, not what, I think he just did Sunday mornings at the time, I don't think he probably does anything anymore, so, yeah, he pulled me aside, and then, so, he wrote for me, yeah. and the guy that was taking me did know who he, he was, and so, yeah, I got into that, and I did some work over there. And that was, like, really intensive and amazing because you'd have to get there in the morning. you have to have five-story ideas. Like, it was just – it worked like a newspaper. Yeah. And it wasn't, like, we would go into Parliament. So that's when I fell in love with, like, politics and things like that. And from there, it's really different to, like, studying a degree of it where it's, like, write an essay and write theories. Like, you're literally just doing it all day. So did that and then did an internship. I'm not going to say where, but I discovered that it was not what I wanted. Like, I just didn't want to do it mm. at all. Especially because I feel like you're, it, go, it turns from being about the story to really being about what's going to sell, what's going to get clicks or what's going to... And so, and I understand, like, it's a really struggling business. Yeah. And if you want a job, like, you need to be able to do that. And they're not making any... Advertisers aren't going to sign on if... Uh, unless you're not getting the clicks. juicy material. And then, yeah. And so 
if you want, if they're going to make money, like I totally understand why they're doing it. I don't think these people are, like, I don't think journalists are bad people. Mm. Most of them are really good and doing it for the right reasons. But I think editors also need to make some really hard decisions about what they do and don't include and how they can make things. Like, I don't know if you've ever read a newspaper, right? And the headline mm. is like, whoa, then you read it. And it's like a really mm. measured article. Mm. <laughs> but then the headline is like, these like really sensationalist. So yeah. that's like, that's one of the things that they would have to do to like make you like to try and get you to read it. And I go, and whenever I read that now, I'm like that poor reporter wrote a really good piece. And yeah. then like, you've made it sound like it's given that this bent that it doesn't necessarily have. So, and then also you have to do things like, you know, knock on doors after someone's kid has died in a car accident oh, or good. the next morning you have to knock on their door and try and get them to talk. And I was just like, I'm not going to do that. Like I'm, I, I knew that you'd have to start at the bottom. I just didn't quite know what the bottom was. Far out. That, <laughs> yeah. but I, I could not. Oh. See, that's the thing. When you have to sort of break through the t- tragic story. See, on my way here, I was listening to, uh, I don't know, some. it was the ABC you know, mm. National News. And uh, there was this uh, journalist who was talking about there was this uh, surfer. I'm not sure if it was a surfer who got attacked by a shark mm. or something mm. or other. But it was interesting. He was raising the point where in journalism, where right before his eyes, a, a, an event, mm. an important event was happening. And there's a part of him saying, I have to call for help. I have to save this person. Yeah. But also I, I have to document. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The event. Yeah. 100%. Mm. Um, the picture of in, I actually got in an argument with one of my lecturers mm. about the picture in Sudan of the, have you, it's a really famous picture of the child sitting there, like starving, and in the mm. background is a vulture, and it's a picture which is extremely famous picture. Yeah, it won Pulitzer Prize. It was on the front page of like, I'm not going to say what newspaper because yeah. I can't remember. Well, I'll yeah. get it wrong. But it was on the front page of like all of the newspapers in America, and the guy, our our question was the guy didn't do anything to change the child's situation he documented it mm. and so they said ethically did he do the right thing and i was like well no he did actually under journalism like the code of ethics for journalism he did do the right thing because you're not meant to touch you're not meant to interfere with the situation at all you're there to document so you're not mm. there to interfere so he did nothing wrong under the code of ethics of journalism and i got into a massive <laughs> fight with my tutor about it um where he was basically like and this is why you'll never have a future in this business and i was like okay yeah and then the guy that did it after he won the pulitzer prize it was 1994 then in 1995 he killed himself because he couldn't live with the fact that he did that and the argument was that you know heaps of heaps of aid got to sudan from that photo and heaps of you know attention got to it and that's the power of an image or the power of telling a story but if you're not also going to help at that moment because I was like you could have taken the picture and then picked the kid up and walked into the feeding station like I think that's kind of where you know the guy ended up killing himself because he just couldn't cope with the fact that he'd left that kid there and then obviously there was also a lot of connotation on the fact that no one knew what happened to the child in the picture after that there was enough follow-up yeah no so there was just a lot of like I think a lot of people were kind of harsh on the fact that he'd done that as well back when he did it i just remember being like this isn't this is so not where like it, it may be under the code of ethics okay but it's so mm. not where my 
politics would lead me to, yeah. I guess. It was just a lot of... Well, I, I can see there's like a lot of... Like to me, see, reading Mirror Inc., your blogs, there's a lot of... Um, and the reason why I really respond, because I really, as a person and as an artist, I really respond to passion. Mm. And there's a lot of passion in your writing. And what's even more astounding, it's truth. Mm. You're just dealing with truth. Mm. And I just... And I want to ask you, do you agree that... Because I think journalism can be one of the purest art forms mm. in the sense that how it can simply present the truth, mm. you know, through interviews and uh, reports, mm -hmm. articles. It can just... It just black and white writing, mm. the mere ink, mm. as it were, th there's the truth, mm. you know? Yeah, 100%. And I think that... So, you know, when there's the attack on the media that's happening in America and it's even, like, kind of happening... In Australia as well that worries me because I do think that journalism the media is a pillar mm. um, um, and it's what holds up democracy what holds up like it's gonna be all that's left of us one day and not just journalism but all of the arts and I do think it's really important and that's why I studied it and that's why I will continue to write I just think that it's hard when you also they also have to make a living mm. and I guess when you have to you have to really hold those two next to each other so, for instance, the New York Times, the reason that they can be very good and the reason they have the power and the ability to do what they do is because some old billionaire bought the New York Times. Mm. So they don't have to make heaps of yeah. money. So they do make money, yeah. but they don't, there's not like, you know, shareholders at the end of the day that need to oh. make a profit. So that's, I guess that was the dream. Yeah. <laughs> like... Some old rich person just like buys it and you don't have to make it this money. But I mean, I totally understand. I totally understand it. Like maybe a week, oh, sorry, like last year, start of last year, I really didn't want to have to keep doing my part-time job. Mm. So I said to my boyfriend, I was like, okay, what am I going to do? I'm just going to start like a wellness blog or something. Like something that's going, or like a fashion blog, something yeah. that's going to get advertisers because I'm like, I don't want to have to <laughs> do a part-time job anymore, basically. <laughs> And then I was like, and my thing was like, if I do that, you know, make a name for yourself doing stuff you don't want to do, then maybe you can talk about stuff you do yeah. want to do later. And I, I tried it. Oh God, I wasn't good at it. Like I'm not good at not being, um, yeah, I'm way too honest. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, just didn't happen. And so I said a bit later, my boyfriend was like, yeah, I don't know what any of that was about. Like <laughs> that was never going to be you. <laughs> so I told, like, I get it just the truth maybe isn't going to be what's going to make you money so yeah. it's hard if you need to have and journalism is something that we need to have for the yes. fact of like and not in like a passion project let's uh, go under the ground and get all the information but also just from the fact of we need like the record of what is happening mm. day to day we need to know those things and people have a right to know those things and those things are what make democracy possible because if you don't have those things then you cannot make the informed decisions as people and as like parts of democratic societies. It's 100% needed. And I think as much as all of what I've said, I'd say most journalism is great. It's just at the edges where it can start being confound, like being controlled by motives. That's mm. when it starts getting bad. But most of it is amazing and most of what people are doing is amazing. It's just, it's a hard job. Like, if you need to be the person that knocks on the door after someone's died, yeah. that's a hard job. I just I just wish, like, I wish there was more like of these um, Scrooge McDuck 
figures, you know, <laughs> yeah. these sort of made this, this, yeah, to be honest, there's not many of these sort of, um, well, not media barons, but uh, these just these, yeah, I don't know, rich aunties or uncles that mm. just have a billion dollars and say, so, oh, I'll buy the news. Like, like the Guardian newspaper, like mm. the Guardian, because that's a wonderful newspaper. because that That's, you know, that it's really non-for-profit, is it? Yeah, it is. It is in a non-for-profit, like there is like this giant fund. Yeah. That, that just keeps... Yeah, that's another one, yeah. See, and I think that's, that's just wonderful. And then you've got, like... For example, that's why I love the ABC, because... Like oh, six... the ABC is... Yes, yes. Fight for the ABC. Everybody yeah, fight for the ABC. And it's re... But it's really interesting, like... um, Like, I was reading... Talking about newspapers, I was reading about the reshuffle of the ABC, because, you know, Malcolm mm. Turnbull... Mm. Our, our fearless leader mm. <laughs> has been um, fearful fearful, <laughs> has been looking for a new chairman of the ABC mm. and he was you know he was going through his like he was considering yeah <laughs> Rolodex and his mate mm. who runs he's really big on the internet and communication telecommunications mm. and, but it's interesting how the, the the leaving chairman of the ABC I don't know her name well, anyway, they're having the ABC is having a reshuffle. Mm. Did you hear that they're mm. cutting five hundred yep. management jobs, mm-hmm. all to support content? Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, I know five hundred people are losing jobs, mm. but hey, at least they're they're, they're really fighting for content. Mm. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not like you don't see, like for example, like Six PR reducing mm. their management. And see, I think I think Six PR. Although it is very right-wing, conservative, mm. they have to be conservative and play it very, very, very safe mm. because of their advertisers. Mm-hmm. And, and this can be, you know, reflected uh, with the Black Swan State Theatre Company, mm. with their sponsorships of Rio Tinto. Mm. Um, obviously, everyone has to play it safe these days. There's yeah. not too yeah. many dangerous people. Like, mm. there can be some danger with the ABC. You know, mm. they can be a bit more... Um, sharp with politics with politicians I mean yeah they they can but I, I still think anybody that says the ABC is like wayward and the amount of checks and balances that are at the ABC yeah. as well honestly I think they're an extremely reliable news source I don't think that they have like ideological agendas I mean they say things I'm, I disagree with all the time yeah but that means I'm, I'm probably wrong <laughs> like yeah you, you can't go wrong with them. Trying to be very, because I'm a bit of a, 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 a with when I'm trying to, um, oh, what's it called? I can't even find the words for it. Um, merge, not merge. Anyway. Segway. Oh, segway, that's the Something one. Cause I was picturing, you know, the segway yeah. that, the, that people drive. <laughs> oh, actually, that. I did a Vox, here's a segway. Mm. I did a Vox Pop, which is where you go out into the street oh, yeah, and you ask people questions on about segways and how they yeah. felt about it in Brisbane <laughs> and I ended up crying. That's not <laughs> because no, nobody oh. wants to talk to you. All right. And I was like, oh my gosh, nobody likes me. Ah. So they just, because they don't want to be on camera, which is understandable. Yeah. But yeah. There's a good segue for you. Why don't they want to be on camera? <laughs> <laughs> you start to think. It's really interesting because in your blog, when people, when, when the listeners of this wonderful Chronicles get mm. the chance to visit Mir Inc., and you know you click on a, about about Bethany Bracegirdle. Mm. You travelled, see, from from Brisbane mm. in 2013. Then you went to uh, please correct me if I'm wrong. Mm. You went to America. Mm-hmm. 
And then you and then you travelled to Europe like this. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned Macedonia, mm. <laughs> which is a wonder, is an interesting uh, country. Yeah, I find it. Have you been to Macedonia? No, oh. I, I've got dear old family friends who are Macedonian. Yes, yes. And that's just a because you know they used to be part of you know Yugoslavia and yeah and there is and it is even to this day. Yeah, they have some... when you're over there. They have some great stories. I was only in Macedonia for a day. Mm. That's actually a really good story. Yeah. I was in Greece and the back of my tooth fell off or like came undone. Yeah. I was eating something. And I called my dad back in Perth. Just shout out to James Bracegirdle who yeah. all of this is probably on his dime. <laughs> um, well, at least half of it. So I called him and I was like, dad, I need to get my tooth pulled out. Like, I think it's my wisdom tooth. Can you send me some money? He's mm. like, all right, cool. He sends me about maybe 500 Australian dollars. So I think it was, came to like 300 euros. Yeah. And so I was over there and I was like, okay, cool. Then I said to one of the guys that we were staying with, I was like, can we, I need to get my tooth pulled. I need to go to a dentist. And he was like, okay, cool. I'll come back here tomorrow and I'll pick you up and you can get, um, just make sure you have your passport with you. I was like, yeah, cool. And I was thinking that I'd need my passport for identification. Hmm. That wasn't it. So he picks me up at nine in the morning and I get in the car with me and my friend. Thank God my friend decided to come with me. We get in his BMW and we're driving from, so we're in Thessaloniki, Thessaloniki, yeah. however you say that. Um, we're in Thessaloniki and it's about an hour drive. <laughs> it's about a two hour drive, about an hour drive when you're doing 190 kilometers an hour in a BMW to the border to Macedonia. So we're driving and he's like, so I'm just going to take you over the border just to a border town in Macedonia. Mm-hmm. Cause apparently a lot of, I was like, well, I've seen taken. This is it. This yeah. is where it ends. Border towns. Don't <laughs> yeah. have a good reputation. I've never heard anything good about a border town. And so, and I'm like, and why do you have enough money for this BMW? Is it cause you're selling me? <laughs> and so we're getting, we're going and there's this moment where I went, it's there's, we're doing 190, I told you, we're doing 190 kilometers an hour. <laughs> and we're just like going through this countryside. And um, he's like, yeah, everybody crosses over the border to get like dental work done because it's cheaper. Because um, obviously they're not in the EU anymore. Yeah. So we, oh, I don't know if they were actually, I don't know a lot about the country. And so we just got, got to the things. These like military people with like guns. I like at the border and I'm like, oh my God. And then he's like, he's like, all right, so we all gave over our, Passport. our passports yeah. and then that's true. And then there's like, you know, but at any border, we don't know a lot about this because we're in Australia where we don't have borders, yeah. but at any border, there's like this like zone where you're just in no man's land. And so he pulls up there, buys some cigarettes because you're not in any tax place and then got back to the other side. And I literally mean, we're talking like not even a call like it's you can see the other bit but there's all these shops because it's there's no tax so we got to the other side and we got in um and then so they let us through and that was like one of the scariest moments of my life i was like what if they just don't like what if they're like now you live here um and so we went through and he pulls me up pulls up at this well he stopped and did some things on the way and i was like every time he stopped the car i was like well this is where i get sold and um, <laughs> we went around. Connor went to the dentist. I go in. Now, the dentist was from Slo- 
Slovenia, I think it's yeah, called. Yeah, because I'm trying to think, because I know Macedonia's next, next to Croatia. Mm. And then, yes, yeah, Slovenia yeah, must be. Slovenia. So he was from there, mm. and he'd studied apparently in the UK. So, fingers crossed, he was telling the truth about that. And he pulled, I go in, and he's like, he looks literally didn't say a word to me, just opened my mouth, looked at it, and he's like, we take tooth out. And I'm like, <laughs> And then I was like, I was like, can I have my friend? And my friend comes in and he's like, what? He's like, I want to my tooth out. And, I, I, and then he goes, I was like, is there any other option? What are my other options yeah. at this point? And then he's like, and he said something to the guy. Yeah. And then the guy was like, um, well, you can get like a filler put in, but then it's not, it might not last you till you get home. So you might have to get it done at some other dodgy country. Yeah. So, and then I was like, okay. And then I was like, stuff it. I didn't say stuff it, yeah. but I'll keep it generated. I was like, stuff it, let's just do it. And so then next minute, the needle's in. I was like, wait, firstly, am I going to get painkillers? Secondly, will this hurt? Like, am I going to get painkillers right now? So then I had this moment where I was like sitting there with a bib on me, blood everywhere, because apparently it was quite a big tooth. It had like three roots instead of two, which apparently is exciting. Didn't hurt at all. Yeah. Like, it was really, I mean, I'd recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> like, and didn't have it all, but I was just laying there. I'm like, I'm in Macedonia right now. But did, did you give you like any painkillers? Yeah. Or... Oh, right. Okay. So it was legit. Like it was all, all legit. Right. Everything was fine. Ripped the tooth out. Then went around the corner to the chemist where you needed no ID. You needed no script. He'd just written on a piece of paper what, you, what yeah. I was going to get. Pretty sure I ended up with straight up heroin because I slept for like ages after. And I asked the guy, well, he's like, you can get either of these. And I was like, well, which one should I get? Yeah. You know, the pharmacist. Yeah. And then he's like, well, this one's good. This one's very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> um, and so, look, I got the very good one. Yeah. And then we went home. And I slept for like three days. And it, oh. Oh, and here's the highlight. 20 euro. 20 euros. You would not get that in Australia, mate. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. And it was like, fine. I mean, I thought, if you're willing to think you're going to die the entire day... And have some guy that you don't know if he's got a degree ripping your tooth out. It's fine. Wow. <laughs> so that was Macedonia. That's the only, that's the only time I went to Macedonia. So I was literally there for maybe 12 hours. That's it. So did you travel Europe? How come you're in Europe? Um, so I went over to America yeah. um, to do some training for... So it was like three weeks of arts. So it was like a humanitarian organisation with arts students. All right. So... It's a bunch of art students from all over the world. Artists, dancers, musicians, write, writers. I think that was kind of it. We didn't really have actors. Yeah. Uh, but, so we had like a school, not a school, but just like a time where you could like do projects and stuff in Florida. So in Sarasota and Florida. And then with the idea that you would then go out into, you'd get sent to countries and take that there i ended up going to greece stopped so the organization that did this was actually in germany and then they had a satellite in florida so then from florida we went to germany which is like their home and then from germany we went down to greece yeah i was in greece for three months and then after that we went back and then i traveled by myself like with some friends just because you're there Mm. like you might as well after so that and I just happened to get to Greece and hit Greece at the time that the that Syria was getting pretty bad. And so yeah. the 
there's quite a lot of refugees. Because this yeah. must have been 2013, 2014? 2014, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, it's getting quite hot. Yeah. So there was, we ended up there, not knowing, so I didn't go to Greece knowing that that's what I was going to be doing. In fact, I went to Greece being like, because there was people going to Ethiopia, there was people going yeah. to like China. I didn't know like rural parts of China. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not like, oh, Beijing. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I don't know what, like what, but I knew the only reason I thought Greece would need, would be like somewhere where we would go would be because they... Had had the financial crisis, so I was like, "Oh, everybody must be like super wants to be a lot of homelessness and things like that," yeah. um, which there is. But conflated with that is the fact yeah. that you've got thousands and thousands of refugees hitting the shores, and if you look at the map, like you've got Syria, and then you've got and then Turkey, you've got Turkey, and then yeah. And then so essentially, they go into Turkey and then just take a short boat ride across. I was in Athens, and. That's probably what really solidified and changed everything. So during this time, I was writing a blog. Um, and the reason I have a different blog now is because mm. that one was called Not All Who Wonder. And I kept it for maybe a little bit when I got back. Yeah. But then it didn't really fit my life anymore because I was not wondering anymore. Yeah. Um, and so I, I changed over. Um, and that one, the domain left. Plus, the good thing is that because my domain cancelled, it's not online anymore. Yeah, because so, I was trying to I was trying to read an accent because on your Facebook Mirror Inc. Yeah, I, I went all the way down. It's like no. Yeah, so it's actually good because mm. I'm trying to turn that into a book at the moment. So ah, yeah. So I didn't. I mean, I didn't make that happen. It yeah. just happened. But I'm not doing anything to get it back on because I'm like, no, people can forget what it was and then pay for it. Mm. <laughs> like, so yeah, that's that. Um, and so that's why I've changed over. So there isn't a lot of, um, my work now that's online live is probably only from, well, yeah, there was that, I'm not going to say the name, but there was, you, I'm not sure if you found it during your stalking, but there was a brief time when I was trying to do that wellness thing, mm. which we just won't talk about, but that's gone as well. I mean, it's there, yeah. but yeah, Miriam was more me coming back to like wanting what I want to talk about, but here in Perth, Perth, when there's not a lot of wandering happening mm. right now. So that's how it ended up. But really what made me fall, like, what made me fall in love with blogging and like putting content online in that way and the freedom that comes with that was that not all who wonder. Like that was getting, I mean, it was getting a lot of traffic, but that isn't why I loved it. I think it felt like you, it feels like you're doing the journey with people, which I think is what a lot of people would say about being like that's the positive side to online communities i think and also i really found there was a girl there was a lady there who had three children mm. who was homeless and she had come over she'd been trafficked and her her she had a terrible story yeah and she was now homeless with three kids in athens and i figured out how much the rent over there was and was like all right, so I just wrote a blog basically, and I was like, "Look, I have never put a single advertisement on this blog. I've never asked for anything from anyone. Yeah, <laughs> like I've written, and because that was daily as well, so I wrote every single day for two years. And like, so sometimes I'd be up until three o'clock in the morning because I do life and yeah. then get home at like one, <laughs> right? And so I was like, basically, this, this is I'm putting my hand up for my like, can you guys give back kind of thing, and. So through that, we raised a whole bunch of money 
I had another friend who writes a blog who put it on her blog as well then yeah like I just that was one of the craziest days where I realized kind of that that quote that you read about maybe mirroring can change mm. the world where I think I'd actually wrote that so many like I think I was 15 when I wrote that oh really yeah but now it was like the first time that I was like oh no like it yeah like stories really can absolutely move people and that's what yeah that made me really realize that my like humanitarian side and my artistic side can like meet yeah um because it's very hard to try and figure out how you're going to do that all together mm. and so yeah we just raised heaps of money for this lady and we ended up getting her an apartment so for a year we paid for her rent and got her english lessons because she was in greece but because it a lot of their economy is on tourism now. Yeah. So speaking English is really important. Yes. So we got her English lessons and got her kids. And one of the most heartbreaking things was walking through the store. Because the first day I was like, before I even thought about long-term help or yeah. what I could do, I just like took her shopping, her and her son. And I was like, just pick whatever. Like, So we were going through the stores and we were basically just doing a grocery shop. And we got to the like, that's my stomach by the way. Um, we got to like the bit where you have two brushes, yeah. um, and her little boy wanted one. I was like, yeah, of course, have the toothbrush. Yeah. And so um, he picks it up, and then he was like, oh. And then she said to me, that's the first toothbrush he's ever had, and he was six years old. Oh, my goodness. And that was just like, I know, like, considering all the other horrors, but that was the thing that I think just broke me. I'm like, you've yeah. never had a toothbrush. Not even a toothbrush. Like... That's like one of the, like... <laughs> bare necessities of like life and of like healthcare to be honest yeah it's like that's the kind of yeah like when you want to talk about privilege like i have a toothbrush <laughs> yeah <laughs> like... that's a lot of privilege <laughs> yeah did you help more people like because there's a point i, I read in your blog somewhere mm. no your 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 bio your blurb bit mm. you were telling stories of other people mm. So you, you're dealing with this family, was it? So you most, mostly stayed in Greece? So yeah, so in Athens, mm. and we were meant to leave, and me and some people actually decided to stay, because mm. um, we met this girl on the day we were leaving. And so two of us were like, because what had happened is I had been telling a lot of people, just getting their stories, basically. And because I had photographers with me, I would get their stories and they would get their portrait. Yeah. So I was kind of making this, not really knowing what I was going to do with this information, but knowing that it felt poignant and that I felt like I needed to, kind of like what you were saying, I needed to capture this. Mm. Like, uh, how can anybody possibly understand what is happening here? Like, so removed in Australia or America or whatever. And so I was like, okay, I need to get all this information. And not really knowing what I was going to do with it. And then I was upstairs and it was my last day. And I was just like, typing up a blog or doing something. And I think I was writing about the markets, mm. right? Like, so I don't know, some metaphor about the markets. Then my friend walks in and she had a baby on her hip. And she's like, oh, can you come downstairs? There's a girl that really wants you. Like, obviously, word had got out or she had found out that I was collecting stories. Yeah. She's like, she wants to tell you a story. And I was like, actually thought to myself, oh, don't have time. Mm. <laughs> like, all right, fine. Like, okay, let's go. Like, had to like where we were staying we were working with a lot of refugees so you had to kind of put on more clothes as a woman yeah. so i went down the stairs started chatting to her and it was one like such a she was telling me a story mm. and i was like 
trying not to cry and yeah. being like, and she ended it with basically, can you help me? And I was like, oh my goodness. And it just felt like I couldn't just take her story. Like yeah. I needed, there needed to be more. Like I needed to do more. And yeah. what's, the, what's the point of me collecting these stories? If, if like the kid with the vulture, I'm not going to do something yeah. at the point with the person. And so I was like, that's when I found out <laughs> it was her birthday. So that's why I instantly just took her shopping. And I was like, you know, a hundred euro to me is not a lot, but to her, that's like oh. life changing. Yeah. And that was really why hers kind of went further because I was just like moved by that. And obviously I was collecting the stories before, but with her, I was like, I need to do more. And it also just made me realize so often we're like sitting in life being like, yeah, look, I'm done now. Mm. Like I've got a like flight to Berlin tomorrow. Like, thanks everyone. <laughs> like, and I'm out. And then something comes in and you're like, oh, I can't fly to Berlin tomorrow because this person in front of me matters. I'm not just going to like, what's the point in me doing anything or writing anything or saying anything if I'm not going to get my hands dirty as well. Yeah. We stayed for an extra week to try and sort out, like we met, we were making phone calls to um, property like people and yeah, had to walk. And I think one of the things is we got told when we got there, don't go down this street, proper streets. And as we gave her, I gave her, we gave her all this food and stuff after she went shopping and when she was going home. And I remember going up to my little apartment and looking out the window and watching her and her two kids, one like baby in a pram and these two kids walking off down that street that we got told not to go down. And I was like, I, just because of what is on my passport, I matter. Yeah. And she doesn't. And I just, and everyone was like, oh, did you like that you helped her? And I just was like, burst in tears. I was like, we need to do more. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't just give her a toothbrush and send her on her way. Like, yeah. so that's how that ended up being more. So I didn't raise money for anybody else. It was just her mm. and her family that I raised money for. Um, so all the money went to them. And so I literally was, for the next year after I got back, I was PayPaling her the money per fortnight. Or oh, per month, so enough for a month throughout the next fortnight. Sorry, throughout the next year. So that I knew that she, it would be like over the long term. Yeah. Um, it was just something that I just couldn't walk away from, I guess. How can you? Mm. Well, I think, I think it's, I think it is, I think we do that a lot. Yeah. I think we choose not to see things a lot. And I think we look away a lot because I like to believe that we're all good and that we all want the best for people sometimes i think especially when we're so removed in australia it's very easy to not look and to not know yeah because if you don't know then you don't have to wrestle with mm. the knowing and i know it's funny like i get a lot of advice from you know parents and friends and people that really love me that say to me you know you need you need to switch off for you yeah and sometimes it just makes me laugh that i'm like Oftentimes when I come, when I will either write something or talk about something and people are like, are you okay? Yeah. And I'm like, are they okay? <laughs> like the concern always seems to come back to whether I, whether I'm caring too much yeah. as opposed to like, well, we, yeah, I just find, I always find that really funny. It's like yeah. my mental health is more important than what I'm talking about. You can only go so much for that because you reminded me of. There's this, I, I'm probably going to get this all wrong, 
But I, I remember in the Middle Ages in Europe, there was this profession called sin eater, mm -hmm. where, um, you know, families grieving families, back then they would leave the, the body of their beloved deceased mm -hmm. in a room, for example, and they had this loaf of bread next to the dead body. And if this particular person committed lots of few sins, it was believed that all the sins would be sucked into this bread. You know, in Christianity, bread is quite a, an important symbol, mm -hmm. you know, the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And there was this person called a sin eater where they, they would visit these deceits and they would eat the bread mm. and absorb their sins. Mm. So mm. this person will be carrying their sins. Mm -hmm. And so that person is clean. You can go to heaven now, but this person mm. has got, it gets, it was good, it was a well paid job, but they'd, they'd, <laughs> they'd have all these people's sins. Mm. And I think, you know, whatever you might believe, but symbol, just symbolically, that's mm. such a powerful gesture. Mm. And I feel like that's, you, you can only do, I am naturally worried about you, and I've, this is our first time mm. meeting, but yeah, you can only go so far as a person. Mm. I feel like, you know, someone else, you need to have uh, an apprentice or someone, mm. you know, that can carry on, and then they find, you know, someone mm. else. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, now that I'm back, I'm, I mean, when I say that changed everything, it really did. I'm mm. now studying social work. Yeah. Um, so I have learned a lot about self-care. Yeah. Just going back and about not trying to save people. I think that's a big, <laughs> big thing for people who care a lot. But yeah, I think that, I think that storytelling is an important thing in that, for me at least, it definitely is a release. Like it's definitely a... Almost like a, like the the biggest reason the biggest reason that I would say I tell stories and that I'm so obsessed with stories and I'm is probably because like that is something for whatever reason that I can do. If for instance for the that one lady I felt like I needed to do more and I felt like I needed to help, but for the other people that I didn't necessarily physically help at that exact moment. Hearing their stories, relaying their stories, I think that's actually such an important thing and I think it makes us realise we're all a lot more alike than we are different. Yeah. And if you can find human you can find humanity in anybody. And I think that's why people that would maybe vote for us to like lock up refugees on an island yeah. wouldn't would still have given money to that woman because it's easy to have a general belief about a huge issue mm. it's not easy to to have that in the face of one person i think and so i think stories from my experience have always been the thing that have changed that have yeah helped soften people and change people and also for that person to feel seen as well i wrote once about a friend of mine my first year of uni so ages ago mm. and she, i wrote about her for this piece that we're doing. And I remember she came back to me. This was before I really knew whether I was any good. Yeah. And um, she came back to me and she was like, I feel like nobody has ever understood me the way that you do, like in what you wrote. Like, I feel like that's like, you get it. And that was so important to me that I'm like, all I did was listen to her for half an hour and then write a piece about it. Yeah. And she feels seen. And she feels, and she's willing to thank me for that. Yeah. I think it's something that's really been lost a lot in like 
Have you read, have you listened to the new podcast that came out from the Serial Guys S-Town? No, no. Okay. It's amazing. Mm. And a lot of people were like, actually, I would say broadly, it's had rave reviews. Mm. But a lot of people, there are people that are saying like, you know, because obviously Serial is podcast about crime. And that this was, they were expecting this to also be about a crime. And it started off about a crime, but then it ended up about other things, which I won't say because anybody wants to listen to it. But it's one of these things where it's like this, it's a story of human interactions. It's a story of humans. Oh. And it's a story of like, not what's in the news lines and not what's in um, sorry, the news headlines and not what is, you know, blockbusters. But like, telling the story of this one person. And... I literally listened to six hours of a podcast in one day. Oh. Could not put it down. And it was done like a novel. And it was nothing like serial, nothing yeah. like that. And I think maybe people expected it to be. They weren't happy. Yeah. But it was written, I mean, it was, it was produced like a novel. And that's mm. actually what the guy who created it said was like, I want this to be like a novel. And it's like human stories and human interactions. And I think that can sometimes get lost in our whole big, like, looking at, you know, like, really, like, blockbuster movies and yeah. stuff like that. It's the moments that aren't in the headlines that I think make people. And if we can really give weight to that, then people see, feel seen and people feel heard and people don't feel alone. And I think, yeah, like, that's why I'm so open in my writing because I want people to know that they're not alone. And I think sometimes, especially in this like Facebook, Instagram age where you can make your life look perfect and you can mm. make your life look like you are successful mm. and you're doing great. And we're all like comparing our inner worlds with everybody else's mm. like pre-polished, filtered lives and being like, well, we don't meet up. And so I think that's why for me, telling my story is so important. Sometimes I wonder whether it's, you know, indulgent to write about yourself. But I think that it's really... And I've struggled with that a lot. Yeah. Which is why sometimes I'll go ages without writing because I'm like, Bethany, shut up. No one cares about you. But then I'll come back to it and be like, but I want people to know that they're not alone in that. Mm. I want people to know that, you know, like that Trump, the Australia's Trump land that you wrote about. I think I'd cultivated my life so much to not, to appear a certain way that Mm. I think I really wanted people to know that yeah, to know more. And I think that was really, I think that's really important for people, for us to connect to one another. Yeah. I don't know how I ended up there from there, but. But, but it's interesting because that Trump lamb, well, he who should not be named, <laughs> I felt because it's funny because I was watching, uh, you know, the, on Channel 10, The Project, hmm. and Will Anderson was talking. Love Will Anderson. But he stole, I had this thought before him, and then he said, I've got this um, Voldemort rule. With uh, Donald Trump, I don't mention his name. Mm. He is not been there. And I thought of that weeks ago, and I thought, damn it, he took it. No, that's cool. But, that's, but, yeah, <clears throat> it's important. A lot of people are doing it. Michelle Obama did it during the um, elections. She would never put his name in speech. That's good. But, but do you feel like that... I'd like to... I, I had this wonderful sort of nickname... Um, I think Tronald Kump or something like that, or or something. <laughs> or like it's like you know who it is. Like yeah, I, I yeah. made like another like another um, sort of allegram. Allegram. Anagram, oh, yeah, oh, not anagram, but um, you know, I've switched him like like Trump or something mm. like that. Yeah, and you know, you're talking about Trump. Yeah, 
But do you feel like, yeah, he's sort of reaching the status of Voldemort? Like, how how we have to protect... Like, the only way to... Well, not really... See, the thing is, like, yeah. like, I, like what you said before, like, I agree with you. Like, I don't think... Oh, sorry, I'm slipping through accents. A little pet thing of mine. <laughs> I, I don't think that there is no there is no such thing as like evil, pure evil. Yeah, I, I, I think like it's the world is black. It's not it's not black and white. It's yeah. grey. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there is the yin and yang. There is some good in us and there is mm-hmm. some bad in us. Yeah. I forgot where I was going with this now. Do I think that he is pure evil, or is he's reaching the point of Voldemort? Yeah. No. Mm. Like, no, he's a human. Yeah. And, like, I can't... I don't know the guy. I've never met the guy in my yeah. life. Like, but I have never met somebody who... I've never met someone who's evil. Mm. And I wrote a piece once about how sometimes somebody can be... I had this realisation once that someone can be the villain in your story and the hero in somebody else's story. Mm. And um, I think we can get so caught up in like, you know, white hats, black hats, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, Mm. when the world doesn't work that way. And there, I'm sure there's people that have met me on a bad day that are like, that chick was a bitch. Like, and then there's people that have met me on a good day that think I'm great. And there's nuance to everything and everyone. And I mean, I don't know that there's many groups that have not felt personally victimised by Mm. the things that he has said, but at the same time, there's depth, I mean, yeah, there's clearly insane insecurity in that man, like, oh my goodness. Should he be in control of nuclear weapons? No way! No. (laughs) Like, should he be in a position he's in? No! I think we can, oh, mostly all agree on that. Yeah. Um... Like, yeah, but, and I think, I think the importance of not naming him and talking about him, because like, oh, my newsfeed, he's just everywhere. Yeah. Like, do I think the importance, I think the importance of not talking about him is not that we, that he's evil. I think the importance of not talking about him is to protect the vulnerable from like, no, no, I don't think that actually. Mm. Um, I think it's important to not give him more stage than he needs but at the same time now he's the president of the united states what he does matters and it matters globally so i think the let's not talk about him probably should have happened two years ago (laughs) i think at this point he's the president what he does matters and so i think i listen to a lot of podcasts about oh i listen to two podcasts about the state of affairs in america because I got addicted to them during yeah. the election. And then now yeah. I've just kept listening. And, and we're still talking about it. Yeah. And it's... I think... I mean, he does stuff all the time that is going to affect us. Like, he just dropped missiles the other day. Yes. Like, that, yeah. that stuff's going to affect our lives. And the lives of people in the world. So, it's very, it would be very hard. I think what they're doing in America at the moment with a lot of, like, resistance and resisting and doing a lot of protests and stuff, I think that's really important. But at the same time, I also think that as Australians, we can sometimes get too caught up in the American yeah. politics and not realise and not pay much attention to the Australian politics because it's not as exciting. 
Yeah. Like, there's not as much showmanship in Australia. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's really like, you see, like, characters do stand out mm. in Australian product. They can really stand out, like, you know, like Pauline Hanson, for example. Mm. Or, more surprisingly, Barnaby, Barnaby Joyce. Joyce. Uh, when you said stand out, I thought of Barnaby Joyce. Yeah, he, he's a, see, he's a really interesting character because there are some things that I, I do agree with him and there are some things I don't. Like, it was really interesting... Because our mutual friend Sam Stockfall. Mm. Hello, Sam. Hope hey, you're Sam. listening, you bastard. <laughs> um, uh, Sam shared on his Facebook page uh, a recent, very recent, well, not now, but a recent news article about how Barnaby B. Joyce um, was against, you know, 18C. He sort of come out and he sort mm. of said, uh, "Look, it's not important. Yeah, it really. Let, let's just like not talk. There's more important pressing issues." And I thought, mm. "Oh, I, I really mm. like you, Barnaby." Mm. And then it's funny because below this article, they did sort of like a little mini photo shoot of him, and he's not obviously the best looking person, mm. but he's honest in his appearance. You know, mm. red as a tomato, his <laughs> um, face. But I feel like he's like you. He's he's very honest. Mm. This truth. This there's, there's not much, like, you can't be, there's you can't deceive a truthful yeah. person. Yeah. I, yeah, I would say that. And I think, as well, his experience, because, you know, being religious and nationalism and things, his experience is so different to mine. And the things that, Matt, like, for instance, just say exactly what I didn't want to say before, but to go back to the American action real quick, just with the, what, something that Kellyanne Conway said, where she said... Mm. People, people don't care about what offends them. People care about what affects them. And I think that is the key thing that we can learn from, well, one of the key things we can learn from the American election is I think sometimes a lot of people that are on the left, me, definitely, mm. like can be guilty of screaming bloody murder over things that we perceive to be like racist or sexist or, you know, homophobic or transphobic or anything else. And we... Forget that that stuff... If you are living in the suburbs and you have three kids and you're going to work all day and the only news you ever consume is Channel 7 when you get home at night and you are stressed about whether you're going to have a job and what the economy is doing and all that you're worried about is getting through the week, you don't care that a politician said some mm. racist thing about someone. Like, you, that's not... So going back to what Barnaby Joyce said, that doesn't... The ADNC thing, most people don't care. Unless no, you are no. an avid consumer of politics, no. you don't care. <laughs> like, I, we're literally talking about part of legislation that they want to change, mm. and like a specific part, which has like, very, like has real consequences. And mm. on, yeah, I can understand arguments on both sides of it. And but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter no. to the people. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing I've learnt since coming back to Perth. I spent a lot of time running and spent a lot of time trying to go and save the world and then coming back here and as someone who can talk a lot about my privilege, my privilege of being white, my privilege of being living in Australia, being an Australian, it's we don't often talk about the privilege of being like well educated and the privilege of being able to critically think about things because we have done degrees that have taught us to do that you know if you dropped out of school in year 10 there's a strong and you haven't gone back and there's a strong possibility the last form of education you had told you to take the information that you're given and you haven't yet 
gone into really critically thinking deeply about things. Mm. So if you're presented with stuff, how do you have the skills to know whether something is true or not? Like if old mate is telling you that they're coming here taking our jobs and he's on the TV and that's what you're hearing night after night, you're going to believe it. Yeah. Like, and you're going to look at your kid who you really love and you really care about and you really want them to have a good life and a good roof over their heads then you believe that and if you are scared that people are going to come here and like bomb your city because you've seen stuff on tv i think it's extremely patronizing to call those people racists or bigots or because they're just doing their best and they maybe don't have the information that i have or they maybe have a different life experience to what i have they're focusing on surviving yeah Exactly, and if you if you have the privilege, if you are yeah. in a position where you can consume a lot of news and think <laughs> yeah, about it, yeah. you're an extremely privileged person. Yeah. And I think sometimes you can get, I can get so lost thinking about thinking about things that people don't necessarily that doesn't necessarily affect the lives of people. And so that's and it's hard because at the same time it does affect the lives of the people. For instance, if you're going to be have policies that are steeped in racism and sexism and homophobia then that is going to affect those people mm. so it's like a balancing act but you can't forget a whole portion of the population in defense of another part of the population which i think i've been very guilty of in my time and i've only probably started to think about that in the last two years like i can have all of the empathy and sympathy in the world for people that i perceive to be minorities and then have absolutely no sympathy for like you know people that are in minimum wage jobs that haven't had a pay rise in the last 10 years. Like, mm. it's easy to forget that they matter too. And so I think that's where a lot of the discourse, like, just cuts off because we're too busy screaming at them saying they're bigots. And they're like, well, stuff you if that's what you think of me. And then they're angry at the, like, elites that say that about them because we are acting like we're elitist, yeah. 100%. <laughs> so I have a lot... Someone, like you said, with, like... Someone like Barnaby Joyce. I I struggle more with people like Malcolm Turnbull, who isn't standing for anything that he believes in. No, you, you know <laughs> he's slick and he doesn't say anything terrible. But oh, he's he's really weird. See, there's only sorry. There've been twice when I've screamed out when I've been in the, in the car, and mm. I, it's either been late at night or in the morning. And I'm driving somewhere. I'm listening mm. to as I as I do the ABC and mm. listening to the news. I love listening to mm. the news. There's only three times where I've well, twice I've shouted at the radio mm. when I'm drunk, angry. Mm. So. You're saying, you know, but that's what it's for, like, and there's only one time where I've jumped for joy, but I won't discuss that reason why. Mm. Um, but the, the twice I've screamed at the radio, it was late at night, and it was, it's, this, it's, a, it's about the WIGST issue. Mm. And, like, I remember when Tony, Tony Abbott was in, in, in power, and he goes on about, oh, you know, the, back then in 2014, how, oh, the, the, the GST issue, well, that's for the ones, for the states to sort it out. Mm. But then I, I just scream on the top of my lungs, it's just, but then what's the point of the Commonwealth? What's the point of, the, what's the point of you having a, a Prime Minister of Australia, not just New South Wales or Victoria, mm. where you've got, see, this doesn't make sense, because I know they're more populated, sorry if I'm getting angry, no, no, okay. but... But I know New South Wales and Victoria have a lot more seats. They're more densely populated. And WA only has eight. I think eight or something. It's a massive country. Yeah. Big, big, big country. Yeah. And I know the population is... But this whole entire GST issue makes me angry. Mm. Because basically, 
quite recently, you know, Mike McGowan's coming out saying, WA, the finances haven't been like this since the Great Depression. Yeah. WA, we're in recession. Meanwhile, in the eastern states, oh, WA can just, you know, find more, I don't know, <laughs> gold. Yeah. That they can get themselves. No, no, we can't, we can't. The mining is dead and gone. Well, no, it's not gone, but it's really bad. Yeah. And we're not getting much bang for our buck for GST because we're only getting 32 cents the dollar. Yeah. Oh, and what got me really angry, someone, I think my mate um, Shane McMillan, he posted something about um, how the Northern Territory, I think they get about $4 or $5. Mm. So they get a lot more money mm. that they're actually raising. Mm-hmm. And, that, you know, he wrote about, oh, you know, Northern ter- Territory is unhappy with each person of their state get $11,000 a year from the government. We're in WA, we only get $800 a year mm. per person. Mm. And that just makes me really yeah. angry, upset because... The one thing I was hoping in the media when the, the, the GST issue, I was really hoping for like, um, you know, insiders or, you know, these eastern states, the eastern states, media, mm. the ABC to really pick up on this GST issue. Mm. No one did. Mm. They just, you know, just dropped it. Mm. Like it was just a... T- and then yeah. they kept going on about the fucking 18C. Mm. See, I really, I really, really thought this GST sharing would, would take over the 18C, but it hasn't. Yeah. You know what's interesting? Hmm. I don't know a lot about the GST at all, to be honest. I know the I know the figures. Hmm. I know that we got like what is it, thirty two, thirty three cents? Yeah, thirty two cents. Thirty two cents, and that's kind of that's all I really know. And I know that yeah. And I think when I had heard about it, I think I like when we were in the boom. Hmm. I think I was like, yeah, well, that's fair. We make a lot more money than they do. So I've never. I haven't really looked at it, to be honest. Mm. Um, I feel like I kind of like made my choice back then and then haven't really looked at it, which is probably what a lot of people have done. And if there's nothing, if there's no one really covering it, then nobody's kind of looking at it again or looking at the how unfair it is or, yeah. So, and I think it's really like the GST, I think it's a really big issue because obviously it's important to have like money in the bank if you Mm. want things it's important for us to have like a decent share like for example like i heard on channel 9 news i was reading that on scarborough beach right there's going to this 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 today Mm. as we record on this sunday Mm -hmm. there's uh they're doing major works on scarborough beach right and they've closed off for, for a couple of months this section and there's a cafe and you can't access this cafe. You can't park near it because all the roads have been mm. blocked for this big mm-hmm. construction job. And this cafe is basically going to go out of business. And yeah. today, basically, it's its very last day to wow. survive. Yeah. And the, and this guy saying, you know, come on, Mark McGowan. And he was making an appeal to all these news. And he's like, come on, we this cafe. Look, this day's literally the last day. If we don't pull through, we, mm. we go flat. And I feel sorry for Mark McGowan because, you know, we don't have much money coming in yeah. and then we've got Mark Nahan the mm. Ned Flanders mm. who's the you know mm, yeah, the, yeah. the state opposition yeah. and you know he's going on about well you know um, um, you know Mark McGowan should you know try harder or something to those <laughs> yeah, effect yeah, yeah. but but he was in that same position see mm. the reason why I keep harping about this GST issue because mm. it really tells you something I really thought this would bring more sense of community in Australia like, I thought literally the opposition 
and the, the now Labour Party, uh, the, the ruling party of WA would mm. come together mm. because this is a very, very important issue mm. that affects us all. Because mm -hmm. there's, if there's no money for funding, you know, there's no money for hospitals, mm. you know, and, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and everything. And I really thought like the other states would come, like South mm. Australia or Queensland or New South, mm. no, none of them, none of the premiers or anything have any support on this issue and it's just really upsetting like and there's a and it's a big point then WA mm. should succeed and become its own country mm. in a way yeah some yeah people have heard that argument before I I don't know <laughs> sorry, I, 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 sorry, I know I, I honestly feel like <laughs> I could say stuff but I don't know anything about it oh, so I'm like sorry. I literally have nothing to kind of offer back Except that what I'm thinking when you're talking is like thinking especially about rural communities and the fact that we have a lot of rural communities yes. that could probably benefit from that as well. I'm going to hold comment because I don't know much about it. <laughs> no, good. No, it's, it's, sorry, it's just, it's just been, see, it's just been building up, building up, building up. And I mm. thought this would be a good outlet to... Just let it out. <laughs> just let it out. To, to get us back on track... Uh, can you talk a bit about, because we're also, we're also almost running out of time. Yes. But I have to make an allowance. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a bit about your book? Do you've got like a title? Um, yeah, so, well, oh. the working title mm. um, is just Not All Who Wonder, which is the same. I mean, titles almost, yeah, I'll probably think of that towards the end if I want to change it. But for now, basically it's going back through... So I've got all of that old blog, the Not All Who Wonder blog, into a PDF. Perks to having a boyfriend who's done engineering and understands things. <laughs> That's now, he like extracted it from there onto a PDF. So I've got it all in a PDF. Oh. Thank God. Because I was re literally ready to type it all. <laughs> like Or like copy and paste it all into oh, it. Yeah. But yeah, so he did that for me. So I've got all that. And basically it's been a thing of going through it. Hmm. Because I think I had this idea in my head that it would just be like, plop, there you go, it's going to be a book. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, blogging and a book are extremely different. And I've always been a short form writer. So I've always written articles, I've always written blogs, I've always written like things that are around, say, 800 to 2,000 words, somewhere in there. So changing that into like long form and chapters and making like having callbacks that don't happen so quickly, I guess. Um, is has been challenging in a good way. So I, my writing has always been something that's been... You know how people say that they hear... Like, they can play music by sound. So they'll hear a song and yeah. then they'll be able to play it. Like, yeah. Through, yeah. That's always been how I've been with writing. Like, mm. I will write something and then read it out. And then, for instance, sometimes we're writing a blog and the last paragraph or the last bit or there's a bit in it and I'm like just it's not right and I don't know why and I just will like keep rewriting it until I'm like okay that's it like it's like I know and um I don't really know where I got that from or anything like that but it's a bit of a I think in the writing of the book um I found that you have to kind of let that go a lot more and just kind of get it all out and then you can go back and edit mm. so that whole, who said it, like the right drunk edit sober kind of thing. Like, the right drunk edit sober? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, so I don't necessarily write drunk or be drunk all the time, mm. but I kind of just let myself 
write everything yeah and then edit it later be yeah. like okay this might be shit we'll keep writing like yes that paragraph was shit don't go back to it now let's just keep writing and then you can go back and edit say when you've got a chapter then you go back over mm -hmm. and then you edit so that's it's been a really different way of writing that i've had to start doing also it's been a bit difficult in that no not difficult good that you you have to take that so i've been taking what i've written and then the way that it's going to be written obviously is going to be different because it needs to tell a story and it's kind of tell one ongoing flowing story as opposed to like here's tidbits of information throughout a time so it's really there's a lot of like conversion of like taking that and maybe a month and then being like okay well what what does that month kind of say and then also being very willing as like any no matter what kind of art you do, you would understand, like totally understand that. Just be willing to throw out so much of it. Mm. Like, just be willing to scrap everything that is not useful mm. and that is not useful to the story. And it's, I think I learned from my journalism very early on to not be precious about yeah. what you write. So I think I'm okay with that, and I'm really okay with deleting four pages if it just wasn't, if it just went somewhere where it didn't need to go. Yeah. So that's kind of where. Not with that and at the moment it's basically like so it's almost like eat pray love minus the like mm. it's maybe a bit more gritty because it started when i left a guy so i broke up with a dude yeah. and then kind of was just like and that's when literally within three months breaking up with him i moved to brisbane moved to america yeah. to, and it all just like started and it was really and i, I started the blog i started the blog the not all under blog really to be about, I wanted to write every day for a hundred days. I wanted to write every day for a year. And wow. it was more, it was actually more meant to be about being single. Like, because I had never really been single. And so it was more that I wanted to write about that. And then I just ended up doing all this stuff. Yeah. But I started the blog then and started getting an audience, which I hadn't expected at all. I expected like two people at 4am might give it a read. Like my mum maybe. So I started getting an audience and started getting some feedback and stuff. And then my life got a lot more interesting. So I kind of, the, for, the first bit really is about having the bravery in the first place to like completely. So I was 22, so I was your age. So just to completely stop absolutely everything you're doing mm -hmm. and like, you know, whatever it looks like, like for a lot of people, it's not going to look like just breaking up with your boyfriend. Like, <laughs> but like whatever it looked like for me, it was like, I'm not happy gonna leave and i'm going to go and then you know what i want to go to brisbane you can't go to brisbane fuck it i'm going to brisbane and just making like these decisions which ended up completely changing my life completely changing who i am and that's really i guess what the book is it's about if it needs to have a like i don't know a fable like yeah, oh. it needs to have some kind of moral which it doesn't and i don't want it to but that would probably be the biggest thing i learned from writing it is from writing the blog, which I'm now turning into the book, has been how much saying yes can really change your life. Mm. And just actually doing the thing and figuring it out along the way. And being, like, none of the decisions I made during that time had, like, a safety net. And just going and doing it. And, yeah, and where that can lead you. And I just remember sitting on, there was a moment where I was sitting on a, I was sitting in a moat in a castle in Germany. 
with a friend of mine. So a dried up moat, not, not in the water. And we were sitting under the like draw, the, the yeah. bridge that goes in. So we're sitting under it on these like weird, I have a picture I'll show you, on these oh, yeah. um, weird, so the back, this, we're literally sitting on the backs of car seats with a, an old barbecue plate in front of us, two seat, backs of seats under a moat in, I mean, under the bridge of the moat yeah. of a castle wow. in Germany. And we're just sitting there having this like chat. And I remember think just having this moment where I'm like, I'm sitting in a moat in Ger- in a tiny German village, yeah. like chatting to this guy from Germany who's like become one of my really close friends. And I'm like, 18 months ago, I was like getting ready to like get married and have a baby. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was just like, not necessarily get married and have a baby, but do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's where my life was like heading. And I'm like, I would have not not done any of this if I hadn't have had the guts to to do to like walk into here's here's a here's a sentence that's going to sound really wanky, but like walk into my truth without any fear of what's going to happen, yeah. and to have absolutely no idea how that's going to turn out. Like I did not know anything about Brisbane, did not know anything about America, did not know anything. Like I had to be brave enough to walk into to walk away from what I knew wasn't me and walk into what I knew was me without knowing whether that was going to pay off or not like and the other way if I had stayed I there was safety in that and there was knowing but walking away was like the bravery that and I just I remember the day and I made a decision and just being like petrified and thinking my life was over and then to then be in this moat in Germany, like the comparison between those two moments and just being like, you did it. Mm-hmm. You did it all on your own. Like you just went and did it. And I think when you face your fears, you stop being afraid. And I, now I'm like, yeah, like there's heaps of things that I've got coming up that involve like, oh, I know, like going overseas by myself and stuff like that. But I'm like, it doesn't scare me at all. Yeah. I've lived without safety nets and it's, really good and also and I think a lot of people I want to say women but I don't I think it's probably universal mm. are afraid of what will happen but like afraid of what will happen if they take risks yeah and really I think take the risk like what's the worst that can happen my dad said the best sentence to me once really when I was sort of saying something about something mm. and then I think I, I think I was like this is maybe four so maybe four was like scared to quit my job yeah because I was scared I wouldn't get another one even though I hated the job I was in. Like, it's just retail jobs. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what if I don't get another job? What if I don't have any money? And, like, this was like, years ago. And my dad's like, you're not in Russia. You're not going to die. Like, yeah. you're fine. <laughs> like, you're going to be fine. And how I was very timid before. And I think just absolutely falling into the deep end and going from one extreme to the other to just, like, travelling the world and... Realising that you can do it and realising that you can ask people in Berlin for directions that you don't know and going out and walking somewhere by yourself and just things like that, that makes you way more brave to do the, the bigger things in life mm. that matter and that you can say the things that need to be said when the time comes. For lack of a better term, it's a book about finding out who I was or letting myself be who I was and what that looked like along the way mm. and 
and hopefully people that are like laying there wondering what they're doing with their life might read it and have the guts mm. to like take chances as well because I think that's I think that's important that people know that they're not alone and that there are always ways out of whatever situation you're in in life it doesn't even need to be like a really terrible situation but just like if your life is meandering you can totally go on yeah. change it what's stopping you like yeah and that I think is a big thing like the question of what's stopping you mm. you feel like there's a million things but actually there's nothing mm. <laughs> and I think that was yeah and I'm a the person I am today is so opposite to the person I was then and every single good thing that has happened towards anything to do with my writing, towards anything to do with my relationships, towards anything to do with my confidence has come from making like one really hard choice that you didn't know whether it was going to turn out well or not. And so I think that's really what the book is about. And it just takes the form of going to America and Europe and hilarious stories about getting your tooth pulled in Macedonia and <laughs> things like that. <laughs> well, I have to say that, yes, <laughs> we have reached we have yeah time is up but the thing is before we go and before i turn off the this zoom i have to say the zoom h1 microphone is a wonderful microphone oh good to know apparently did you how did you find out about it? i researched it all the youtuber says this is this and i had a mate who does paul gray who's mm -hmm. a sound engineer wonderful bloke mm -hmm. google him he's on linkedin mm -hmm. he said yeah zoom h1 microphone this should, if you're starting out this is what you should Awesome. Yeah, so, and I do, and it's quite cheap. Oh, that's good. And it's quite reliable. But there's a little sort of signing off ritual that we do here at the Perfume Chronicles, and it's, yes. uh, as you might be aware. So, in the year 2027, mm -hmm. as we meet again, mm -hmm. hopefully in a proper, more professional circumstances, in a for studio, everyone involved. <laughs> for everyone involved, <laughs> and there shall be a team of people. <laughs> So in the year 2027, our people people have lunch and then we shall have lunch. Yeah. And then, what would you like to plug? Obviously my speaking tour for my oh, yeah. New York Times bestseller, third mm. one mm. by then, I would hope. As well as a not-for-profit organization that helps youth, women and dudes, actually. Haven't sorted that yeah, bit yeah. out yet. <laughs> you can. Yeah, yeah, Definitely. So that's what... I will be plugging. Oh, wonderful. I'm going to say will. <laughs> Good. Till 2027 comes. Bethany, thank you. Thank you.